0: Let's turn our Bible to Second Peter tonight and finish up. Yeah, <laughs> give you something to laugh at. I'll say we'll finish up Second Peter <clears throat> since I'm making jokes today. We'll continue on in our study. How's that sound? And um, you might get to witness me throw an iPad. Onto the floor tonight. Amen. It's good to see y'all laugh. We've been through a lot, have not we? We need to laugh, enjoy ourselves in the Lord. But what He mentioned tonight is no laughing matter. It's very serious. Um, we need to be mindful of those words because um, He that thinketh, he standeth. Said, "Oh no, not me." you better be careful you might be the first one so let's uh <clears throat> just be mindful of that and um let's try and um uh, encourage and exhort one another <coughs> uh, unto good works provoking each other unto love and to good works isn't that right and um i don't want to be the cause of someone to stumble and I certainly don't want to be the downfall of anyone else because of my sins, right? So let's try to um, do what the Bible expects us to do. We'll hear some of that tonight here in Second Peter. So Second Peter chapter number 3. And since it's been just a couple of weeks, just bear with me just a moment. And I'll try to just quickly kind of refresh some things because it's important we remember the context when we're dealing with some of these verses. Uh, We started out in chapter number one. If you remember, uh, I entitled that chapter, Remember to Be Fruitful in the Present. Uh, as a reminder to us, remember he said add, and uh, so we are expected in times of suffering not to just endure to the end, uh, but uh, to add to our faith and grow, and he started that out in the first chapter. Uh, and Then in sec- uh, the second chapter, he uh, entitled that Recognizing the Fallacy of the Pernicious, and it's a warning primarily against a, a specific group of people uh, that are, that are uh, seducers, They are specifically uh, trying to get you to fall away, and they know what they're doing and have willfully chosen against revealed truth to walk contrary to that, and they don't stop at that. They want to get you to walk down with them too, because misery loves company. And uh, that's the way the devil worked, and they're of the devil. Those in second, in the second chapter, uh, as we read, if you go, if you remember our reading, they're false prophets, is what they're they're labeled as, and so they're obviously lost people. Right in the second chapter and that's primarily those that uh, they bring in damnable heresies. Uh, There's going to be many that follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth evil spoken of and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not. And so he gives a pretty stern warning there against that group of people uh, and warning, um, you know, us to helping us to identify them and to know the uh, foolish things of of these. Uh, Of course, I mentioned Benny Hinn this morning, and I had somebody text me back and said they turned on Benny Hinn just to check him out since I mentioned him this morning. And uh, please don't do that. Uh, And... uh, You're not going to get no help with that. Uh, But uh, anyhow, so uh, that's a specific group of people that it's talking about there. And then the Lord uses that great verse, the Lord knows how to deliver uh, the godly. (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, he uh, deals with that in verse number 9. He knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and uh, primarily speaking of that hour that's going to come upon the earth, in my opinion. Uh, But anyway, so he goes on down through this, the end of this chapter and talks about they have eyes full of adultery and they cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, a heart they've exercised with covetous practice, cursed children, they have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam the son. And so he goes on down through here and finishes the chapter. They promise liberty. But they themselves are servants of corruption. None of that is saved language, is it? I don't read anything in there that um, that gives us like uh, uh, what what the Lord gave us in Hebrews chapter number ten. It doesn't talk about them being purged from their old sins and perfected forever by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. It doesn't talk about any of that. These are not people in honest error that have made a mistake. Right, these are these are not people that have that have uh, grown weary in the way and they fainted in their minds and made a mistake. That's that's not who this is. This is just a specific group of people, seducers rather. And so he ends that whole chapter uh, talking about um, after they have escaped the pollution through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again tangled therein and overcome. The latter end worse than the beginning. It had been better for them not to know the ways of righteousness, but it's happened according to the true proverb: the dog has turned to his own vomit. Again, and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. But then chapter number three comes along. And I entitled chapter number three, Being Ready for the Future Promised. And that's where we are. We've gotten down through here just a little ways. And um, he starts out in the first verse and says this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds. And he he does that uh, in both letters. Talks about being stirred up in our pure minds by way of remembrance. And verse number two said that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Now, some people say that both is referencing the Old Testament and then of course the new now here being written. Uh, but either way, knowing this first, and so we get a stern warning here again. He, he warned us of the seducers and the self-willed in chapter 2. Now he's going to warn us to be careful of the scoffers that are in our day. And uh, that's uh, categorizing another group of people. Uh, and a scoffer is someone who makes light of things, right? He makes, he mocks at things. He makes fun of things. They're, they're very... Um, he 's uh, indifferent to him he, he, he certainly is nobody that 's uh, diligently trying to apply himself to, the th- to himself to the things of God're um, uh, those that are making light of some certain specific things, and we 'll deal with that we 'll probably start uh, our reading here in verse number three. all right, Second Peter chapter three, verse three says, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last day 's scoffers. Walking after their own lusts. And so they're also a self-willed people, and we must be careful of that. We're not walking and living our lives in, in a manner that pleases us, right? We're not supposed to. Sometimes we do. But what's guiding our lives is not what feels good, right? What's best for me should not be the guiding factor of my life. Uh, What guides me is what God has revealed in His Word to be true, and uh, He has bought me with a price, and I'm to glorify Him in my body, and uh, that's what the Bible's commanded me to do. So His will is what should guide my life. I'm not walking after Clint's lust and Clint's will. I should be walking and conducting my life according to the will of God, the revealed will of God, right? How are we doing on that? Amen. Amen. Hopefully that ain't made anybody mad. If you have, you can always go see Brother Reed when the service is over, okay? He's the complaint department. No. We're supposed to be uh, uh, offering, uh, uh, by the mercies of God, presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord, which is our reasonable service. And so now we've died to our own will, and we, like Jesus, should be saying, Nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, right? And that's how we should be doing and uh, that is not the categoristic the characteristic rather excuse me of these people they are walking after their own lusts and um that often is characterized uh these scoffers as people that are con- that are their lives are moved according to how they feel and uh, what they think is best for them it's kind of like we dealt with not long ago it's my truth right My truth doesn't exist, right? It's only God's truth. Uh, But anyhow, so that's how these people are. And they'll start something. and, um, And I'm making this bigger, if you're wondering what I'm doing. So I don't have to do this. All right. And uh, so in verse number four, uh, if we come down to this re- being ready for the future promise, we don't want to have scoffers um, interfere with our walk and getting ourselves ready for our king, which is coming. He is coming. You believe that, don't you? Amen. Jesus is coming. And uh, so this crowd here, they're scoffers. And, and and I've made some reference to it. I believe we preach last time. And we have to distance ourselves from people that are going to make light of the things of God. Right, We can't can't spend our time with people that are going to mock God and mock his coming and mock your Bible and make fun of everything that you believe and everything that you do. And uh, you can't let them be uh, subjecting yourself to that kind of thing uh, other than trying to lead them to the Lord. So uh, we dealt with that a little bit. So now I just want to look particularly not so much at the scoffers, but what they're scoffing at. And so in verse number four, uh, we see number one, uh, the things that they they begin to mock. They mock sin. If you look in verse number three, uh, where it says they walk after their own lust, they make light of sin. I believe I've touched on that, so I won't go over that again. Uh, but they make light of sin, and no, none of us, and, and, and the scriptures do not either. We dealt with Hebrews chapter ten, and we, uh, the Lord, helped us to see of our uh, our standing and how we stand perfect in Jesus, and uh, how that uh, our sins are forgiven, and He'll remember them against us no more. Uh, but that certainly doesn't mean that God has made light of sin as though it doesn't matter the Bible said he was uh, that that Jesus came and that uh, God said of his righteous servant he shall justify many he's coming to save his people from what their sins and so we can't uh, I I, I don't I I haven't a hard enough time in my life making light of the things that I do wrong your sins are really bad Mine, you know, have a lot to do with my raising and got a lot of excuses for them. Your sins are real bad. Sin, uh, uh, we don't need, we don't need uh, to make light of sin. We don't need to um, uh, ever uh, get a lighthearted attitude towards sin, do we? So being safe and secure in Jesus and, and knowing you're safe forever and knowing that, um, uh, that your sins never be remembered against you anymore and that they're purged by the blood of Jesus and, and, and knowing all those things certainly shouldn't give you a lighthearted attitude towards things that, are revealed, that God has revealed uh, to be something that He hates, right? God hates sin. And uh, we ought to have a holy hatred for sin ours more than other people's. Go on now. We good Baptists, we really have a good time with people that do things that are sinful and we can attack them. And I think some people do it because it makes themselves feel better. Comparing ourselves among ourselves, which is not wise. If you're going to put yourself in the scale with somebody, put Jesus on the other side and see how you measure up to him. Amen? Amen. Right. And so uh, uh, we ought to have a hatred uh, for sin in our life. And uh, I don't ever want to take sin lightly. Uh, it had cost God everything and uh, cost his own son for what we've done and how we've lived. By the disobedience of one man, condemnation came upon all, right? So I have a pretty good feeling God's not happy with sin in our life after he saved us, I would say for sure. Now, he says, uh, that. so number one, they make light of sin. They're mocking, they're walking after their own lusts. They don't have any reverence for uh, what God has revealed to be true and righteous. And they're not trying to perfect holiness in the fear of God. And the next thing, these scoffers in the last days, does that sound familiar with people? They're always trying to excuse something. They're, they're always trying to excuse it. If, if you think about it, what most, most of the world uh, and most of the people we try to witness to, and you tell them anything about how, uh, what the law says about their sin, they always try to excuse it by trying to find out something on you. Well, my sinfulness doesn't excuse yours, right? Well, that's how the world looks at things. And uh, um, so they they making light of sin, but not only do they make light of sin, but they make light of the second coming of Jesus. And uh, he he says this for a purpose now, and I'm going to try to move quickly through this. But and here's what they say in verse number four: They say, "Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation." For this they willingly are ignorant of. So it's not an accident. These are not people that don't know the Scriptures. They know the Scriptures. They've heard the truth. Uh, but they have willingly chose to make light of things. They've, and the first thing they've made light of is sin. The next thing they make light of and make a mockery of is the fact that Jesus is coming. Can you imagine what the world thinks about I mean, if they made fun of President Pence because he said God talks to him, surely they think we're crazy to say Jesus is going to come with a shout and the heavens are going to, I mean, he's going to come back. You believe, I I think he's coming back and he'll be upon a white horse. And I believe that thing is as real as I'm standing up here preaching. I believe Jesus is coming back. He's got a vesture dipped in blood. He's got a name written which no man knew himself. And it's the word of God. And I believe he's going to come and he's going to destroy all those enemies of Israel with a sharp sword that proceeded out of his mouth. I believe that. I don't believe that's a picture of anything other than the truth of what's going to happen when Jesus comes. Right. And uh, so uh, uh, they think we're crazy for these things. They they surely would mock at that if we tell them that we we pray and talk to God and he talks to us through the word. If you tell them you think you're coming back riding a white horse with Jesus, they'll really think you're crazy. People in Baptist churches think you're crazy some. But hey, listen, they're making a lie at the coming of Jesus. Why have they done that? Why have they, why, have they uh, uh, why has it not put a sense of urgency in them? You know what it's done to me and you, most of you that I've talked to? When we see the world going the way that it is, you know what it's put in us? A sense of urgency that this thing's about over with. We better get ourselves ready. Our king's coming. And we better get ready. I want to be found of him of peace. I want to be found without spot. I want to be found blameless. I want to be found faithfully doing what God's called me to do. And I, when he comes and it puts a sense of urgency in me to get ready, just like when I got sick and I start thinking about, uh, Hey, you know what? It could be me. I could be dying. It puts some urgency in me that boy, I better get things right. I better make sure I'm right with people. God, I, I I want to do right. You start thinking about dying soon. It'll, it'll, it'll get you right quick, won't it, if you're saved. Not these people. They're interpreting the Bible by what they perceive around the world. They're letting the world determine for them what the Bible says. So they're looking, and the Scripture said Jesus is coming, and they're looking, going, Look, I've heard that all of my life, and He still ain't here. He ain't coming. And uh, uh, instead, what they should do is interpret the world and what's going on around them by the Word of God. Right? Don't look around to the world to try to determine what the scriptures say. Let the scriptures stand in what they say and get yourself ready because faithful to see the promise. And if he said he's coming, put it down in your little black book, Jesus is coming. Amen. And shall not tarry. And so, but that's not these people. They, they get the idea when they see what, what we should recognize and what he's going to tell us later on in these scriptures. The long suffering of God should prove to us his salvation. For the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, not permission. Right? But most of the world, by Jesus not dealing with them, by Jesus not uh, 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 coming, and by Him not destroying them, by all those things not happening, they take it as permission to do and live the way they're going. It's probably fine. God ain't killed me yet. That ain't so. You better just believe the Bible. Right? Right? And so don't get that same sort of spirit in you. That spirit of, well, you know, I've heard Jesus coming. He ain't coming. And, uh, you know, it's probably not for a long time, even if he is really coming. And and you get kind of that mocking, scoffing attitude. And you take that as somehow because God's not killed you that he's okay with what you're doing. No, God's long-suffering. And thank God for that. Because he's had a right to kill many of us a long time ago. But God's long-suffering to us for to believe, and He's long-suffering to a lost and dying world that He's not willing to but come to repentance. And so the long-suffering of the Lord, I mean, uh, we went through that in Romans. Where we're talking about despising or, or despising the goodness, not knowing the goodness of God, leadeth thee to repentance. And so um, they make a mockery at that. They make a mockery at them. They they mock and make light of the second coming of Jesus. And they make light of the Scriptures. They, they, they willingly are ignorant in verse number 4. Uh, all the things continue. Look at verse number 5. And this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Now, I believe that's before the flood. Whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. And so they had the scriptures that had told them not only has, is God going to come do it again and he's going to judge the world in righteousness and he's going to deal with things. Jesus is coming. And they, not only has he said that he's coming, he's done it before. And so uh, they are willingly ignorant of those things. And they say, look, everything stood as it always has. No, it hasn't. There was a time when God wiped the face of this earth clean, except for Noah and his family. Amen. And so I don't think he'd have a problem uh, uh, wiping the, off the face of this earth. Uh, and he's not going to do it by a flood. He'll do it by fire. But I don't think he's going to have a problem judging a bunch of sodomites and baby killers. Amen. Amen. Would you? As far as I know, uh, they they weren't murdering innocent babies to have an east to have a more uh, to have a more peaceful life because they weren't ready to have one yet, right? Boy, we and we think God's not upset with us. You think God's not angry with this world because of the sin that's filled this nation? That's some of what Brother Reno was talking about. Uh, I think what's happened is uh, we've had we've had our uh, uh, we've had our um, uh, our eyes are growing dim. We ought to, if, we, if we saw sin as, as as despicable as God sees it, see, I don't think until we ever recapture a clear vision of the holy and righteous nature of God, will we ever see sin as bad as it really is anymore. We're so familiar with it, and we, we've, we've played footsie with it for so long, that sin's really not that bad. There's only one category of really bad sins, Right? People that don't dress like I think, that's one of them. And especially those ones that have been divorced and remarried, they're real bad. You know what I'm talking about. What about all that other stuff? What about envy? What about covetousness? What about what about having something? What about where you're mad at your brother and sister and you and, and you bad mouth them and you devour them and you won't forgive them? What about having an unforgiving spirit? You think God's happy with that? Woo! I better not go down that road. I'd like to go down the road. I'm not going to go down that road. Hey, listen. I, we like to categorize sins. How about how about being unthankful? You think you think God's you think God's happy with people that are unthankful? What about somebody? What about somebody that uh, causes division in a church? You you think God's pleased with that? Uh, what, what, what about what about somebody? Um, what, what about somebody uh, that will uh, that will get up and preach messages against things and be guilty of the very things he's preached against? Think God's happy with that? I don't think so. And, uh, and and what we've done is categorize. And you can get hey, you can get people to shout. You can get people to shout preaching on sodomites and pants on women. But let's preach on tithing and giving to missions. How some of you doing on tithing? How some of you doing on robbing God? You want to lash out at that woman in pants? Listen, why, don't we, why, don't we bring, why don't we put yours out on display and see how some of you are good? Why don't we bring the tithing record out tonight and have Brother Michael display it for the church tonight? Huh? No, I don't like that. I don't care. I'm not up here to make you like that. We have, we have swallowed that and, and again I hate that I have to preach that way because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you y'all know what I believe when it comes to modest apparel and this nation and the time period that we live but, but I'm telling you those things that we that we, are, that, that we can easily fix up on the outside to look good to our brother and then we'll leave this other stuff in our heart festering and won't deal with it let me say this online just so it's live and on record I'd rather meet God in a pair of shorts that come down to my knee than I would for robbing God and not tithing and being faithful to church. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You may not like it, but I do. My popularity just went way down. Amen. Are you advocating? Are you advocating? Are you advocating? I didn't have it with some of you. Hush. Are you advocating? I'm not advocating anything. What I'm trying to get us to see you is that, you know, we'd be a whole lot, we'd be a far cry better off. I'm not saying we don't preach against sin and preach, I'm not talking about that. I mean, you've got to rebuke them. The Bible says have no uh, fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, rather reprove them. And uh, the Bible instructs me to exhort you and to rebuke you and all those things I do in my preaching. Uh, But we'd be a far cry better off and more compassionate and more loving and more kind if we'd take a deep long look into the Word of God as a mirror that it is reflecting in you what shouldn't be the there and not looking for what shouldn't be on somebody else. Amen. Right? I, I don't want to be given that. I, mean, I, I want to look in this word and I want God to see things in me and show me things about me and I want to get myself right so that I can see clearly to pull the beam out of my brother's eye. Right? right? Well, the beam comes out of my eye. But you know what I'm talking about. Can we get Brother Montgomery kicked out of here tonight? <laughs> <laughs> That's good Amen Now uh, what, what, we, what, what, what are you getting at Here's what I'm trying to get at I have seen people I'm not making light of any of those things that I mentioned And if you take that as that You're just wrong and you just have to meet God with it And don't come bother me with it because I don't care I'm being serious tonight. I'm in no mood for that. You know how I believe. I'm not making light. I'm not making light of divorce. I'm not making light of pain. I'm not making light of modesty. I'm not making light of any of those things. But what I am saying is this. There's a whole lot of real serious problems in a lot of our hearts that people can't see right? And I thank God, and please understand what I'm trying to say here, because I'm not advocating anybody goes out and shows and reveals their nakedness to the world. I'm totally against that. And God hates divorce, and I hate it, and most people I know that have had one hated it. But listen to me, what I'm trying to say tonight, there's some stuff that we've let let lie dormant in our hearts because we think nobody sees it. The problem is God knows it's there. And we're not getting anywhere, blasting everybody else and leaving that filth in our heart undealt with. If we're going to have revival and we're going to see God move, the only way it will happen is to do what that man quoted tonight. We're going to have to humble ourselves, confess and forsake our sins, not everybody else's. Right? That's where revival will start. Revival will start when me and you start seeing ourselves in light of the mirror of the Word of God and pray once again, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and start cleaning up the things in our life that do not resemble Christ. That's what we need to focus on this year. (laughs) And say, oh good, he's not going to get on me for what I'm doing. No, if you're dumb enough to post it on Facebook, I'm dumb enough to preach against it. I don't get that idea either. Isn't it good to just be able to preach and just, hey, man, we need good Bible preaching. Just help us. That's what's helped my family, brother Reno. Is just somebody take the Word of God and preach against my necklace that I had. Yeah. Jamie remembers that necklace. Were you here? You were here last week, wasn't you, brother. James? I look good in that thing though, with that blonde hair. It's <laughs> when I had some, Billy, before I got real old. But uh, listen. I'm telling you, Brother Jeff, take that word and many other preachers, and they take that Bible, and I'm telling you, it hurt. God started dicking things about me, and but I, I'm going to tell you what I'm so thankful for. I was surrounded and said, people can say what they want to about Calvary Church. I'm going to tell you this much. That is a church full of people just like there is here that love God and love people, and they were patient with me and helped me as God grew me, and as I, uh, God started cleaning my life up, and, uh, and they were patient with me and worked with me and took the scriptures and rebuked me. I'm telling you, that helped me in my life. That didn't hurt me. Even David wanted rebuked myself. Let the righteous rebuke me. I, I want somebody to take a Bible and tell me what God thinks about it. Don't you? I, I don't need some, I don't need some smooth talking nobody just to come up here with a big smile on his face and make me feel better about how I'm living. I need somebody with a backbone to take a King James Bible and just preach the devil out of me. Amen. Good old-fashioned preaching. What do you think, J.C.? you like it? amen. that help you? amen Good old good old Bible preacher. Now we can't make light of the soon second coming, the sin. they're scoffing at all this stuff. They're making light of all of it. They're doing it in our country. Half of this country. They're doing everything they can. They've gotten so crazy. They're not even saying the word father or he or she is offensive to people. That's how, that's how beyond, and I, I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm saying people have literally lost their mind. They've gone crazy. They're afraid of offending people. Are we not afraid in this country anymore of offending God? The only reason this country's prospered is because we had a fear of God in this country. You can't say, who was it? One of y'all telling me about Bobby Stewart that took, who was it telling me that he took them up to the Library of Congress and all that? Was it y'all telling me that? And was showing them on the walls of the Ten Commandments and the prayers and the quotes of these founding fathers that we had that believed God. I'm telling you, this country had a Christian heritage to it. And we're squandering it away. And they're not squandering it away as some politician in the corner of some part of the, uh, of, of the house or the senate. It started in Baptist churches where we let, our, we let sin and things creep into our lives and made excuses for them. And then we just let them lie in our hearts and we died and dried up on God and made no effect on our country anymore. It didn't happen from the White House. It happened in the church house. Quit preaching on sin anymore. And, uh, well, I mean to rant and rave here, but I want to tell you something. We've, we've got some, we got some, we got to break up that foul of ground. That's what's wrong with us. We have gotten cold and indifferent. We, and the only hope we've got is, is getting Jesus back in the proper place that he belongs, and that's in, in the preeminence. That he might have the preeminence in all things. Isn't that right? Not, not, not our own selves, not our own pleasing, walking after our own lusts. Well, that would include sin. Uh, but, but, uh, but it includes a whole lot of things, a whole long list of things we could, we could do tonight. But it's all really summed up in this much. And Brother Reno's daddy preached on it years ago. I have somewhat against thee. You've left your first love. That's what's happened to most of us. You know, most of us in this church tonight, we're not driving around uh, committing fornication and getting drunk and snorting dope tonight. We're doing things that are a whole lot worse. We're putting our Bibles down and going home, and we won't pray or pick it back up till we get here next Sunday. Say, well, you think that's worse? Well, I'm not trying to categorize it. I'm just saying, I, I tell you what, it's about as equally bad, I'd say, for a Christian to do, don't you think? I think that's what's happened to us. And we've 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 got no effect on the world anymore. Because you, you know what that's done to us? It's dried up our burden for people. We don't care about people, right? They know we don't care about them. We we don't really have a, a real burden for lost souls anymore, do we? We I, I tell you it's a, it, it, it's a, it's shocking anymore to see uh, but uh, uh, I remember them old timers talking about how they, how that they would labor and travail and how much time they faithfully spent trying to work on just one individual and they would faithfully go by and faithfully witness to them and faithfully invite them to church, like Barbara told us this morning they just wouldn 't leave me alone. We need some people that won 't let sinners alone anymore. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, this is, this is stirring my heart up. We need to, yeah, we need to get, get clean. There's no doubt about that. In a lot of areas of our life, there's some things that need to be done. But until we do that, I don't know that we'll have a burden anymore. I heard Ravenhill preach it. He said, God doesn't trust babies with burdens. You don't put a burden on a baby. You know what you give a baby? A bottle. <laughs> some of you ain't connecting the dots. Duck, it's going to hit you. Then that what he said, but then he said he could come to a point where you leave those foundations and be no more children tossed to and fro and uh, and grow. That's where he's going to go next. Let's let, let's keep on reading because we're going to have to try to finish some of this tonight. We got five minutes to do it. You ready? He mocked. They mocked the sim. They mocked the second coming. They make light of the scriptures. They look at the scriptures and and they don't see things happening in their time. And so they 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 take it and they rest the scriptures. He's going to deal with that a little bit later, so let's move on. And then they make an attack on the character of the Savior. They make light of the Savior. Look at what they say here. For this they will and the ignorant of. Look at verse number 6. The world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire, against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Remember Hebrews chapter 10, perdition. The damnation, the destruction of ungodly men. I'm glad I ain't got no part in that, aren't you? (laughs) Hallelujah for Jesus. I got no part with that perdition stuff. Hallelujah. Now, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is for the Lord a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And I, I went back and got this verse, and I'll read this verse to you. Psalm 90, chapter number 4 said, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. What's being said here? I know, I know people have used that, I'm not, so I'm not going to um, deal with people using that dispensationally. And, you know, in those, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to deal with that tonight. But I can say this, I can say that what is being, what I believe is being said here is that time is nothing to God, right? God's eternal. God's only carved out a portion of eternity and put us in time. And he said, now redeem that time and we better make a much of it because we ain't going to get no more of it, right? He's carved this little portion out of eternity for you and me, and for the purposes of you and me. Isn't that something wonderful to think about? Not for any angel, but for you and I. And uh, so, anyway, and uh, so, what's being said here is just because things don't happen in your time, and they'll go by a day, and and we'll we'll look at a day, and we'll say, boy, that went by; it was like it was just five minutes. It's that same way with God. A thousand years to God's like a day. It makes no difference to Him. God's not working on your time schedule. Right Now God has a time, and most of it we, ha- we watch Israel, and we consider the fig tree, and most of, uh, most of the, the time, God's timetable, we can do by watching the nation of Israel. But what, what, what's being talked about here is that they look out at the world, and they say, well, he's promised that he's coming, and I've been watching for 30 years, and he ain't been coming yet. 30 years ain't nothing to God. It's a lot to you. You think it's a lot, but it's like one day with God. He's not concerned with what how long you think something is, right? God's long-suffering, and he wants, he wants to see people saved, and he's got a timetable, and it certainly isn't on your watch, right? So, a day with the Lord is a thousand. Years a thousand is one day. Now, I know people, um, I'm, not, I'm not attacking anybody um, that is, um, you know, when they go down through there and they're using that uh, in a dispensational manner. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that's uh, disproving that. But I think what he's trying to say here is these people, they've read the scriptures, they've heard people say that the Lord's coming again. And they've looked out and they said, where is this coming? We don't see it. It's been all these years. And so he's saying, Look, uh, the Lord's not concerned with you looking out over time. God's got his own time, and it's got really not, very little to do with you. And so, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, God said, For the Son made one man of the law. And so, God has his time, yeah. Uh, but uh, to, uh, uh, to you and me, where we think it's been a long time, to God, it's been no time at all, right? And that's what I teach us to be patient. We ought to be patient and long suffering, just like God is. God has long patience for it. Remember that? And so uh, that's what is being said here. And so let's move on. They talk about uh, the, the character of the Savior. And here's what they say about the Savior. He promised that he's coming, but he's not coming. You know what, you know what, they're, you know what that's saying? They're saying he's a liar. If you're, if, if, what would you call me if I said I was going to do something and I don't do it? Right? Right? <laughs> How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? So, I mean, they're basically saying, Jesus promised that he was coming. So they do one of two things. They call him a liar, or they go back in the scriptures and try to twist the scriptures to make it say what fits their reality. That's where they get in big trouble. He's going to deal with that. But, but, But if Jesus said he was coming, and you said, no, he's not coming because I've not seen him yet, you're calling God a liar, are you not? And so uh, these people are attacking the character of God. They're making light of the things of God. They make light of the scriptures, sin, the soon coming judgment. They make light of the Savior and his character. And so, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Look at verse number 9. The Bible says, But the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some may count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all A-double-L, not the elect before the foundation of the world only, but all the world, everybody, all should come to repentance. Amen. Amen. So then when the Bible said, look, Because you've not seen the fulfillment of this promise yet, doesn't mean it's not coming. Is that right? Right. He said He's coming, and you can count on it. He's going to come. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And so uh, these scoffers here, uh, when we get done with verse number 10... He's going to turn in verse number 11, and he's going to turn from those scoffers, and he's going to deal with us. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? I say, well, God's not really concerned how I'm living after I get saved. In fact, the only thing, I I just need to get saved. Well, sounds like he's pretty concerned with it to me. was not it to you? I I tell you, I I know people that they they claim they've gotten saved and they claim that they can just live any way they want to and continue on in sin and live in rebellion to God. And and, uh, they just, you know, as long as they can skip hell, they're happy with it. And they have this idea that somehow God, uh, well, if it just loses me rewards, I don't care. I don't want no crowns anyway. You ought to be troubled at an attitude like that, don't you think? I mean, the Bible's telling us here... That seeing, uh, uh, the world doesn't see this, remember, but you and I see that the world that now is, what you and I are living for and living in, is soon going to be burned up with fire. Young people, I ain't got mine on me because I'm always afraid it's going to ring in here. That little cell phone you're on, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Surely to goodness, no Christian would be fooling around on TikTok. TikTok. Somebody help me with some more of this ungodly mess that goes on. But these phones that you hold and spend all your, every waking second on, everything involved in that little device is going to be burned up one day. Even the things that aren't sinful. There's things on there that aren't sinful. I think it's a good idea for a lot of Christians, if they can handle it now and they won't get in trouble. I think it's a good idea to be on Facebook and be on these social media platforms standing up for the truth. But you know what? Facebook's going to all be burned up one day. Right? I mean, all that stuff's going to burn up. God's going to burn up these cell phones, the cell towers. (laughs) Every bit of this stuff's all going to be burned up one day. And the only place we have where there's going to be any enduring substance is laid up over there, is it not? Then why are we spending all of our time building up treasures and involving ourselves with things that God's going to burn up one day? Say, well, it's not sinful. Well, I'm talking about just anything that we're giving our time to. Even things that are not necessarily, you know, one of the great awful sins. Just because you're not looking at pornography on it doesn't mean it's not taking your heart away from God, right? I've seen people... How many, how many of you sat down with your family this Christmas or this Thanksgiving or this New Year's and you couldn't even talk to anybody because they was like this? If you want to get their attention, Brother Reed, you'll have to text them five feet away. <laughs> like, hey, dummy, look up and talk to me. Huh? I say, well, is that some great sin? Well... It could certainly lead to some. I I don't know. I don't know. It's my place to say. But I I can tell you this. You ought to not spend all that time in that thing and never read your Bible. Right? I mean, doing anything that has to do with God and God's business and and spending all that time playing games. I mean, uh, building up points on a game. Can I preach right there for just a minute? And I'm not talking about just you young people. I've seen some adults just as bad on that stuff. Guess what God's going to do? All your points you got built up on that game. He's going to strike a match to it one day. Right? How much is it going to matter? I'm not trying to be hurtful. I'm just trying to get us to awaken to the fact that Jesus is coming again. And let's redeem the time. And let's invest our time. And things are going to pay off in eternity. And uh, is that cutting it too tight? I I don't think it is. I think that's part of the problem we, we make light of those kind of things and then we look at it, other people that are doing really bad stuff and we think we're better off I don't know that we're better off maybe, maybe we are in some sense but in a lot of sense uh, uh, I don't think we're going to have any more, any more rewards than they are if we're spending our time doing something God's going to burn up would that, be, would that be a fair assessment of? so we got to go now all holy conversation and godliness. I don't know about you. I got a desire in my heart. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about whether or not I'm saved. I'm not, I, that stuff got that, that. question was answered at Calvary. We dealt with that in Hebrews 10, didn't we? But you know what I am concerned with? Ever since I've been saved, and, and I've not followed this out near enough like I should, Brother Rupi, but I've always had a desire in my heart to want to please the Lord. I want to please the Lord. And I think if all of you, I think anybody in here that's saved, has a desire to want to please the Lord. And you know, a lot of times we, we even get, we even get upset with ourselves that we don't have enough of that desire to please the Lord. But we got a desire to want to please the Lord. And that's what's being dealt with here in our holy conversation, godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And this is how we should be. Remember, he's turned from the scoffers now, and he's talking to us. So don't be like them. Don't make light of things, and don't think that uh, God's time that he's allowed to pass is somehow some kind of permission. It's long-suffering is what it is. And uh, we need to get ourselves ready. Uh, That word hasting, I've got the uh, definition for it here uh, somewhere here, and I'll never find it in that mess. But uh, it basically means um, an eager awaiting. Are you eagerly awaiting and readying readying yourself for Jesus to show up? I guess not. We ought to, shouldn't we? Don't you think? We ought to get ourselves ready for the Lord to come. Looking forward and hasten to come in the day of God. Boy, this is serious. I mean, read this verse: "Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat." That's what's coming. Young people, that's what's coming, what we're spending time on. And he said, how much, how much more, you and I, seeing these things shall be dissolved, should we not be urging ourselves, should we not be moving ourselves in preparation to, move, to be more godly, to be more holy, to be more righteous? Is that not what he said? Laying up treasures over there. And uh, uh, then he said, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Boy, that's beautiful, isn't it? I can't wait for that day looking for that new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spotting blameless. Wasting time is not diligently trying to prepare for him to come, is it? Being diligent. I think I'm I'm done in church, but I'm telling you, that's what I think God's speaking to us now. He's been warning us for some time now. Hey, I'm coming. You better get yourself ready for me to come. And so what he's saying is, you're wasting time. Your sin, your foolishness, all of that, you're wasting time. You've got very little time left. Get yourself ready for me to come, that you might be found blameless, without spot. Be found holy and godly when I come. Don't you want that for your life? And I say, well, no, I really don't. I mean, well, how could you? Why would you just want to spit in the face of somebody that died and bled for you? Don't you aren't you concerned with pleasing him? And uh I, I, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord of salvation, even as our beloved Paul, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking the thing, and and them of these things, and which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they also do other scriptures unto their own destruction. And I'm gonna kind of leave that off right there, but I think most of us know what that word rest means. It's a twisting, a perverting, a taking something true and twisting it. It's, it's, a, it's having already something that you believe and taking scriptures and trying to make it prove that. Boy, that is dangerous. Don't do that. You know, you're better off just saying, I don't know. <laughs> Aren't you, Brother Oliver? <laughs> Me and Brother Oliver talking the other day. I said, I think we're better off. We were both talking about said, yeah, I think we'd just be better off saying, look, I don't know, <laughs> than to try to have some preconceived doctrine and make these scriptures fit it, But a lot of people do that. And you know what they do? They do that to their own destruction. Just let the Bible say what it says. If he says he's coming, he's coming. Right? And so uh, because of his character, he, he cannot lie. And we're, we're finishing these last two verses and we're done. You therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before, and he does it again. Beware, said be diligent first time. Now he said beware, lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Now I know a lot of people don't believe this, but I don't know how you read that verse any other way. You can do what the Bible just warns you not to do and twist the scriptures to make it fit what you believe. But the fact is, a born-again child of God can be affected in these last days by the error of all this wickedness, all that's going on, and take twists and do things and pervert scripture, and they can fall from their own steadfastness. I know no other way to interpret that verse. Who's he been talking to this entire time? Who's the ye therefore? Who's the beloved? Five times in this, ver- in this whole chapter he's used that word beloved. What's he talking about here? Who's he talking to in that verse? Ye therefore uh, beloved. Is he talking to those seducers? Is he talking to the scoffers? Well, why would the scoffers uh, uh, um, uh, be preparing for him to come looking and hastening and being holy in all conversation and godliness? That's not a scoffer. Right? They're making fun of that stuff. So the only people that you can tell that he's talking to here, wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, why why would any lost scoffer have any confidence in looking for a new heaven and a new earth? He ain't going. So in context of the scripture, it is talking about me and you that are born again and children of God. And if we don't get ourselves serious about the scriptures, that's the first thing that they make light of, uh, sin, and then the Savior, and then they do scriptures. They, they make light of the scriptures. They have the scriptures. The scripture said he's going to come in the Old Testament. The apostles say he's going to come, and they are willingly ignorant of those things. They make a lot of the scriptures. But you and me, if we, if we do the same thing to the scriptures and we don't, we don't let the scriptures say what they say and just believe God, uh, we can, we can uh, fall from our own steadfastness. Now, does that mean fall into perdition? No, we done dealt with that, didn't we? But I tell you, you can fall to a place where you don't please your Savior anymore. Boy, that's, that's, I believe that's sad enough, isn't it? God do all that He's done for you. I'm done tonight, but God done all that He's done for us, saving us, dying for us, buried, raised again, as seated at the right hand of the Father who ever lived, making intercession, and He's faithful to you, and He goes with you, and He walks with you, and He talks with you, and He's faithful to perform that work that He started in you, conforming you to an image, and all the things that He's done for us, and we just spit in His face and trot under our feet those things. We better be careful and say, well, I won't fall. Well, why does the Bible say, he that thinketh, he standeth? If you couldn't couldn't fall in any manner whatsoever, then why would they warn you? Why would the Bible warn you, take heed lest you fall? Right? So don't have some false confidence, some false false, uh, uh, confidence in yourself. Right? Because you know what the Bible says? When a man thinketh himself, when he is nothing... I'm preaching as a nothing to a bunch of nothings. Does that encourage you tonight? I'll get over it. But you know who is something? That's our Savior. And the Bible said he's able to keep you from falling. And Paul prayed in one place. Then I prayed God. Uh, so I'm going mis- to misquote this. I think uh, sanctify you holy, And it's W-H-O-L-L-Y. And preserve your whole body, mind, and spirit. Is that right? Well, if I misquoted that, somebody, please forgive me. But uh, blameless unto his coming. That's what it's talking about in that word. God's able to do it. You can't do it, but God's able to do it, isn't he? All right, I'm done. But here's what he ends. Come on, Brother Reed. We're going to have a verse. We're going home. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I quoted this. This is Hebrews 12. I've got it here. And I'm going to, I'm going to end with Hebrews 12. I'd like to go back to Colossians. And so we're done tonight. But wherefore we receive a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And Ephesians says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man and to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I believe it's talking about here growing grace. I, I think that, that, that does include obedience and service. What a grow in that. And we need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he ends this book. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen now those are sweet words to say but you know how we bring him glory we bring him glory and worship and love and service so if we really mean that verse to him be glory not only now but forever amen let's redeem the time and let's start living like it what do y'all think I think it's high time we wake up out of sleep and get back to serving God acceptably without reverence and godly fear so he's coming and I can't wait for him to come are you ready going to give a song, a verse tonight and sing us a verse and I want to ask you this, if you'll bow your head just a moment most of all most important question in here tonight I would say is if you're lost and you don't know the Lord, I ask you this question, are you ready for Jesus? The answer is you're not if you're lost. The good news is he's done everything possible to make it ready and possible for you to be reconciled to your creator. And what you must do is believe on him. For us that are saved, if you need the altar tonight and come down and get some things right with the Lord, it'll be open to you. Brother Reed sings. You sing along with him if you're able. What are you singing, Brother Reed? 61. 61. 61. If you need to.